I would welcome you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, reading verses 55 to 65. And the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none. For many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. And there arose certain and bear false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? But he held his peace, or was silent, and answered nothing. Again the high priest asked him, and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am, and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. And the high priest rent or tore his clothes and saith, What need we any further witnesses? Ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to buffet or beat him and to say unto him, Prophesy! And the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. And to this closing verse, I'll add some that come from two other witnesses, Matthew and Luke, concerning the same, with slight variation inspired by the Holy Spirit, Matthew 26, 67, and 68. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? And Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, 63 to 65. And the men that held Jesus mocked him and smote him. And when they had blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is he that smote thee? And many other things blasphemously spake they against him. It is to this episode, after the condemnation of the religious council, of the Sanhedrin, after their condemnation of God's Christ in a sham of a trial that our Lord is given over unto these heartless and calloused soldiers to abuse him and to pour contempt upon him as a kind of a sick prelude to the extreme Uh, torture and shame uh, to which he was soon to be handed over unto. In this moment of, of spitting 
spitting on the Lord Jesus Christ, covering his face with a bag, beating him and mocking him that he should prophesy and predict which soldier it was who happened to be hitting him at that particular moment. In these words, we have irony. Irony, when it is something that we say or speak, is saying one thing and meaning the opposite, usually for the sake of humor. Or if it's not uh, spoken, if we rather come upon irony, something that is ironic, it is uh, a, an occurrence or an event that strikes us as deliberately contrary to what we expect and amuses us on account of it. So it involves amusement in the end, but it's amusement that arises because the, what we would say, the juxtaposition of two things. One, something that is presenting, but actually contradicts the reality that it's representing. We often find ourselves experiencing these kinds of things as uh, one popular singer many years ago sang, it's like a thousand spoons when all you need is a knife. There's something that's just odd about it and kind of amusing that I should experience such difficulty. Well, We can also be those who are purveyors, that is, we are creators of irony. And in this case, here, it is a very twisted thing. Jesus has claimed to be king of all. And he has claimed to be the great prophet. Well, they find this rather ironic. Everyone finds it rather ironic that this humble uh, carpenter-turned-preacher from the backwoods of Galilee, that he who is wearing but these humble uh, garments and who is now handed over by his own followers, that he indeed could become something great, that he's anything other than a pretender. Remember what just preceded this, that Caiaphas, the the chief priest, is interrogating Jesus, and he adjures him, tell me whether you are Christ, the Son of the Blessed, and how does Jesus respond? He says, I am And you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Nothing less than a direct reference to the prophecy of Daniel concerning the exalted Messiah. The king and governor of the world under the ancient of days. He tears his garments. What need we any further witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. And so he hands him over to be condemned. 
they and these soldiers find it extremely ironic. Well, there are several layers to this irony. There are actually four of them, by my count. Let's consider the first layer of irony, the rather obvious one. The irony that these soldiers delighted in as one who counts himself to be the glorious Son of God. He has now spit dripping from his cheek. Look at the the honor that the majesty exhibits. What is he going to do about this? If he is a king, why does he not stop this indignity? And now let let us cover him with, with a bag. And then each of these calloused men, they take turns striking him again and again and again. So if you're a prophet, let's play a little game. Well, you should know my name, and you should know the names of all of my men here. Why don't you tell us who it is? Prophesy. Prophesy unto us, thou Christ. Who is he that smote thee? Prophesy unto us, O Christ. Did they really think that he was the Christ? Did anyone there, besides Peter looking from a distance with self-reproach and hatred of himself, that he could actually have done what he has done? But he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is as a root out of a dry ground. That's what's so ironic. That's what's so funny, at least to these wicked men. And does this not expose something of the perversity of our hearts that God, who gives us the gift of creativity and even the gift of humor, that we should twist it and make an innocent man the laughingstock of our jesting. Oh, you know, you know, you know you could have done the very same thing under similar circumstances. You know those sins and faults of youth, those ridiculing of the younger sister, of the awkward boy in class. This is, the, this is the disease of the heart. But on the surface, to the outsider, it all seems rather amusing. In fact, uh, the, really the whole exercise in the tortures and the eventual crucifixion of these criminals 
was more than just uh, the carrying out of justice. The cleverness that went into the kinds of torments were basically a kind of way for the community to say, this is what you deserve. And so not only should you deserve the injury, you should deserve the insult alongside it. Ha ha! Ha ha! He saved others. He cannot save himself. How ironic! Why don't you come down from the cross? Ridiculous. What a shame. How contemptible. You put up the hopes of all of these people. And now what hope do you have? Why don't you cry to God? Your God? That's the first layer of irony. The the obvious layer. The one that everyone, and including these soldiers, were very self-conscious about. In fact, they're, they're snickering, probably. They're, they're, they're doing things to try to get the others laugh. That, that was certainly behind the crown of thorns, wasn't it? Ooh, ooh, I've got an idea. Here, guys, see what I have? Why don't we give this crown to the king? Every king needs his crown, But second, there's a deeper layer of irony. An irony that no one there appreciates. The actual, the real irony is that he was, is, and evermore shall be God's Christ. It didn't look like it. And he wasn't taking any positive action to insist on his rights. He wasn't calling down angels from heaven to basically execute judgment, make a bloodbath of these presumptuous, uh, arrogant rebels. He's just taking it. He didn't, he didn't call thunderbolts down from heaven. The moment that that spit came from his lips and reached his cheek, he allowed it to happen. He did not summon fire from heaven to make that impudent soldier but a black stain on the ground. But he was the Son of God. He was king. He is king. Someday he shall come on the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and those also who pierced him. And then they shall cry. They shall cry. There won't be any laughing then, will there be? No more funny. No more ha-ha. Except he who is in heaven, he shall laugh. He who sits in heaven shall laugh and he shall scorn them and have them in derision. What a fearful thing. What 
a fearful thing, dear friend. Even if you don't do it on the outside, on the inside, if you laugh off Jesus Christ, he will have the last laugh. This is what is so so amazing that, that as the bag is placed over his face and he's struck and these men ridicule him, say, well, why didn't you call it Christ? Why don't you tell us what my name is? Who is it? He knew their name. He knew their last name. He knew their address. He knew their parents' names and their parents' parents' names and their parents' 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 names. He knew how many hairs were upon their head. And yet he was silent. Prophets speak. That's their job, isn't it? They preach. What are they good for? One might say if they're not speaking, but... Now is the time for silence. Ecclesiastes teaches that, doesn't it? There is a time to speak and there is a time to refrain from speaking. He had to be silent. Or there would be no salvation for us. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. Lambs, they don't don't resist. They don't talk back. They just go. How ironic. How ironic that in fact this one could they only have eyes to see what they were doing. That soldier would have rushed to the face of Jesus and wiped off that spittle and fallen down on his face and begged for mercy. And yet he said nothing. Isn't it ironic? Now there's an even deeper layer. An even deeper layer of irony. You see, this exercise was a reflection of what they and really everyone thought about Jesus. These actions were demonstrations of the veto. That is, we reject the stone that the builders rejected the same has become the chief cornerstone. Now, was it altogether without reason? Of course, they had their reasons. They were wicked, they were vile, but they had convinced themselves that Jesus was a public enemy. Fundamentally, he's a liar. You know the classic uh, trilemma of C.S. Lewis. Jesus is either one of three things. He is either lunatic, liar, Lord. Of 
I don't think that we have much evidence to suggest that anyone thought that Jesus was out of his mind, but was fully responsible. But he was a fraud. He was one who agitated the people, raised up their hopes, and actually made things more difficult or at least put the Jewish nation at greater risk with the Roman authorities. He's a fraud. Prophesy, O Christ, you who are God's chosen, anointed one, you who are king. But they are the ones who are the liars. They are the ones who are deceiving themselves, rejecting the clear uncontrovertible evidence. I mean, all the miracles that Jesus displayed. And yet they, they don't arrest him out in the open. Isn't that suggestive? They do it under cover of night. And they bring a, a, a small army of, of, of officers, of soldiers, with swords and, and staves uh, to take him. Do you come out against me as a thief? I, I taught publicly in the temple, and yet you never laid a hand on me then. You see, all of this is a charade, it's a travesty of justice. There's a, there's a payoff. There's bribery. They have to, as they conduct this mock trial, they have to find different men who will be willing to testify and whose witness will at least in some way hold up in court. So they cobble all of this together. It's, it's absolutely nonsense. They are the liars. They are those who are blind, even as they put a bag on the head of Jesus and they blind him. They blind the prophet because really the prophet is blind. So they think, but who exactly is blind after all? Who exactly are the blind ones? He is not the blasphemer. He has spoken that which is true concerning himself. And he is not the despicable one who deserves the indignity of spit dripping off his face. They're the dirty and despicable ones. And friends, the Holy Spirit by Revealing these things to us is not just pointing out at these men. He's not just saying these are the bad guys. Don't be like them. Now you shouldn't be like them, but dear friends, you are them. Spiritually, by nature. And it is only otherwise 
by the rebirth which we have just heard this morning. We are dirty. We are unclean. We are like the lepers. We are the ones who deserve the spit and the bag on the head and infinitely more. That's what the Bible teaches us. Now that doesn't flatter any of us, but yet that's the the biblical truth. And we are blind until God opens our eyes. And we're never going to see ourselves as we really are. We're going to continue in a, a virtual reality of our own making. Just playing games indefinitely. Escaping into our own reality. Friends, it is not reality. It may be your reality, but it is not reality. You are blind. And Christian, praise, praise his most worthy name. Because if you see, blessed are your eyes. Blessed are your eyes. Flesh and blood has not revealed these things unto you. And you know what else the true Christian understands? Is that there's an awful lot of irony in the Lord's dealing with us. We get so bent out of shape. We get so angry with other people. Isn't it ironic that I pardoned you this massive debt and you can't forgive this little debt? I find that ironic. You feel as though you have been the object of disgrace and shame and it's not fair. Look at the spit, uh, the, 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 the precious face of Christ dripping with the spittle. And you can take the shame. You can take the misrepresentation. You can follow him and he will glorify you. Because Jesus didn't remain this way. He was glorified. And if you go outside the camp bearing his reproach, if you take up your cross, that painful, shameful cross, and you follow him, take the shame and he will lift you up. When you finally get to the end, oh, there will be much precious laughter. We will be like those who dreamed. But fourth and last, the deepest layer is that Jesus, to the eye of sense, is ugly. 
He hid not his face from shame and spittle. Everything about what Jesus experienced was degrading. He took contempt upon him. And layer upon layer upon layer of disgrace, not to mention the agony and the pain, is heaped upon Jesus. And so to actually have faith in Jesus, you have to get over each, uh, each barrier of shame and contempt because we're not naturally drawn to that which is ugly and disfigured. but rather to that which is beautiful. And yet, by faith, true believers see the king in his beauty, even in the shame. They see the beauty of his heart, that heart that was willing to endure all these things, For those who rejected him, for those who dishonored him, oh, in a world that is full of superficial beauty, that's so very uh, empty and hollow, in a in an overindulged society which has everything that it could possibly want. Yet we become sick, do we not? Sick with the overindulgence and the binging on all that is not God and godly. But when the Holy Spirit grants the new heart we see Jesus even here with the bag upon his head being beaten and mocked even with the spittle the shame he is altogether lovely altogether lovely lovely in his patience lovely in his goodness Lovely in his strength, his strength of heart and of character. Lovely in his obedience to the Father, carrying out the everlasting covenant that was made in eternity. Lovely in his person, fully God and fully man. Lovely in his sufferings as he laid down his life for his friends and there's no greater love, no greater love. Are you looking for love? Oh, there's no greater love than this love for a man to lay down his life for his friends. Do you not see the worth in him? Do you not see the beauty? Beauty to cover over your ugliness. 
worth to answer to your emptiness and your shame. And some began to spit on him and to cover his face and to buffet him and to say unto him, Prophesy. And the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. May you see him. May you see him as he is. And if you do see him by faith in his sufferings, you shall one day see him coming for you in glory and wait for him. And you shall be satisfied. Amen. Let us close in prayer.